What is home? What does it look like, feel like, sound like? For most of us, home is a fleeting memory. Home is a fragmented dream that we dare to remember. Tonight on B-Sides, we welcome special guests bound together through stories of movement and belonging in the face of today's anti-immigrant global atmosphere. Rooted in the stilt of Sudan and Nubia, inspired by the eastern coast of Africa, it is my honor to introduce Al-Sara and the Nubatones. I'm Salam, sound artist, filmmaker, and fellow proud East African immigrant. Stay tuned. سيادة الحضارة سيادة الطيبة سيادة الإيمان يا إما شفت الحبايب قاموا قالوا قاموا قالوا قاموا قالوا 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 السلام Salam, salam, welcome, welcome. Thank you, thank, thank you, you so much. Here. Oh yeah, I don't use that. <laughs> <laughs> so start off, if you'd like to introduce yourself and then introduce the band. Sure, um, my name is Alsara, we are the Nubatones. Um, the Nubatones are Moena Kujovi on bass 
and vocals and trumpet. Rami Alasid on percussion and vocals. Uh, Brandon Terzik on oud. Nahid with me on vocals. We are bringing you Sudanese and Nubian inspired East African retro pop. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that East African retro pop, do you want to break that down? Well, it's retro pop, and let's start with that part, you know? It's music, it's pop music that's based in tradition, based in olden time music. It just happens to come from East Africa, and so, boom, there it is, it's so easy. <laughs> and the retro, the retro, the, the way that you can get tradition to relive itself and, and enter the modern world in a way that stays alive. I think you and the band do, does such an amazing job in making sure that that memory is, is still here and that we're still referencing things from, from the past. Um, before we get on to the next song, uh, Ayan. Ayan Tavan. Tavan. Ayan Tavan. Yeah. Sick and Tired with Love. Do you want to tell us a little bit about the story of how you made the song and the, the girls sure. that shared it with you? Um, I. I actually learned this song um, a few years ago out at a refugee camp uh, called Yusuf Batil um, in an area called Maban between North Sudan and South Sudan. This song was written by three little girls, Muna and her friends, who taught it to me. Um, and it's a love song. It's just like a simple love song about, you know, being sick and tired with love. And even if you bring me a doctor, I still won't be okay because mm -hmm. I'm so in love. And my, my lover is far away from me. And... I mean, the song is really simple, but really beautiful and really sweet. And I think for me, the time that I spent with them out there was amazing in terms of musically enriching. I learned so much new music um, and so much, so much of it original music written by a lot of the people that taught it to me, including these three little girls who were like 11 to 15. And I just thought it was amazing that in the midst of a refugee camp and so much intense, what would be called desperation, they were writing these beautiful little light love songs mm -hmm. and it gave me so much affirmation and also such a sense of belonging, you know, because my relationship with Sudan has always been really tense. I think for a lot of people who have left home forcibly, there is this sense of rejection you battle with when you're older. I don't know, maybe it's just me and I'm being emo, but... <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not just you. You know, you know, it's like that you battle with and, and for me, it's, you know, especially with a place like Sudan, it's such a conservative place and... There's so much love there, but there's such a tense, how do you go home, how do you not go home? And I think a lot of immigrants feel it, like when, when they, you know, you know, there's that saying, anything you touch, you change, and anything, you know, that you change, changes you. Mm -hmm. And that's with travel and moving and leaving and rerouting. Mm -hmm. And so coming home becomes always more and more complicated. So for me, with these girls, they gave me a sense of coming home. I was able to get a little bit of a translation, um, so I'm going to translate it, even though I'm sure it sounds so much better in Arabic. Yawatan, uh, where is the homeland? Where is the time? Angry from years that stretch and hit it across the face with pain. Your blood runs rivers of salt while I die of thirst next to you. I tried to drink until I imploded. 
crying the bitterness that I can't be swallowed. Where is the homeland? Where is the time angry from years that stretch and hit it across the face with pain? My love for you, just like companionship and the trees, has become waterless. We go together in search of rain. And I'd like to talk a bit about that one because where we are today, this week, these past few weeks, this year, last year, everything, we're questioning what it means to be home. And I think your music and a lot of music and what music can do is get us to identify with something that is conceptual and borderless, but also let us know that we are fragmented beings that might not have a home and maybe that's okay. I think it, I used to always feel like a fragmented being, that maybe it's okay to not have a home, but more and more recently I'm beginning to realize that the issue we feel like we can't find a home is that we're intersectional beings mm -hmm. that are trying to squeeze ourselves into homogenous concepts of home. Mm -hmm. um, and that's not how we work as humans. Mm -hmm. Everything in the world that is around us right now is intersectional. Everything that's happening, it's not one isolated incident. It's mm -hmm. not just the travel ban. It's Standing Rock and the travel ban and the Black Lives Matter and the, you know, and all, and the, the health issues and the education issues. Humans are not one dimensional beings. We're intersectional, multidimensional beings. Mm -hmm. And so it doesn't work that way. It just will never work that way. For me, music has always been like the safety space where you can explore your ideas of everything, really, mm -hmm. including who you are. And that doesn't have to be a stagnant thing. It never should be a stagnant thing. It says on my passport that I was born in Sudan, and so mm -hmm. my my entitlement to my passport was always questioned at the border, including at the border coming in here mm -hmm. um, before Trump was around. Mm -hmm. So to me, this isn't new. This mm -hmm. is not new at all. And for every Sudanese person that I know, getting rejected from a visa is a really normal thing, and mm -hmm. I think for a lot of people. And again, I go back to the idea that this travel ban is not an isolated, singular thing. It's mm -hmm. actually and inter it's part of a bigger problem. It's part of a big business supremacist regime takeover that's happening in front of everybody. Mm -hmm. And has, but has, that started years ago. Mm -hmm. It's just kind of coming to fruition at the moment. Right. Um, so the travel ban is an unfortunate reality that has been long time coming. I don't know, we're all people that kind of started off in different places and ended up in different places. And I think a lot of people in New York and kind of in the U.S. can identify with that through generations. Um, but in this journey of life, it's, it's like, my, for me, my story started on the banks of the Nile, you know, like in Khartoum. And then from there, it kind of moved and turned. And as I met different people, as I moved and went, um, there's one thing I've always understood that we all have in common, which mm -hmm. is that we just want to be remembered. We just want someone to remember us. That's why we're having families, we have babies, we have 
you know, we build, we make art, we, you know, we do all of that. And I think that's even why we make war. We want to make sure someone is remembering us as being right. And for me, though, this tumultuous journey, there should be a moment when you need to rest, a moment when you need to pour out your secrets and speak. And for me, that moment of rest has always happened by the Nile. Mm -hmm. And so for me, this it's always been sort of like the anchor and the lighthouse in the journey. Mm -hmm. So Manara, for, it's the title track from the album um, because it's about, it's about a moment of serenity in the middle of the storm. Um, so like, you know, like we spoke about it before, it's like, it's like, it's almost hopeful, but it's not. It's realistic, mm -hmm. but it is hopeful in the sense of like, it's getting ready to move forward. Mm -hmm. So Manara means the lighthouse. Poet, poetry, like I don't know how to explain them. They are their role. It, they are the Hakamat are from Western Sudan, from the Darfur area, and they are basically the voice of war. They are oftentimes a lot of the wisest voices in the tribe, and tend to be older women. Mm -hmm. um, and they are they have a very powerful and important role in the tribe itself, mm -hmm. in the public sphere. Right. So the Hakamat usually, if they if they demand a call to war, war will happen. So, and, yeah. and in Ethiopia we have something similar called the Shilala, mm. and it's you just it gets you it gets you riled up and ready for war. And yeah. and this this war isn't I mean it's it's defense almost mm -hmm. in a way to to defend defend your homeland, defend where you come from. What in Nar? What what are you defending? Well, for me, I feel like. Um, I don't know, this is an anthemic song and for me I wrote it because I felt like my first tape that I got when I was like four was this tape that was this uh, that was being passed around underground in Sudan in like 1986 and it was a, uh, it was a tape that was put together by a collective of leftist writers and creatives 
um, led by a musical director and a choir and poets and they wrote this amazing, amazing body of musical work that was kind of encouraging people to vote, letting people know about their rights and it was really anthemic and I loved this tape and I memorized it from front to back. My parents are activists so I grew up marching with them and I felt like oftentimes you're told to be patient with a lot of inevitable poverty. All these institutions that were put into place to protect our humanity keep failing us over and over. Mm -hmm. And so it's time to ask some questions. This band actually started with Rami, when is how we all started together. Mm -hmm. And then we brought in Moena. Mm -hmm. And before uh, Brandon, we had Brandon's teacher, Haig Manukian, who was all of our teachers. Mm -hmm. And uh, he passed away a few years ago mm -hmm. and was replaced by Brandon. And so this band is like, it's a musical family. We're an old school band. Right, you know, right. we arrange everything together, we tour together, we fight together, we cook together. <laughs> I'm banned from making breakfast because I keep oversalting eggs. Uh, and I know you recently did a Tiny Desk um, concert at NPR and, mm -hmm. and you also did an interview with NPR and there's a quote on the interview that you did with NPR that I'd like to bring back. I wasn't from any one place anymore. Sudanese people said I wasn't Sudanese enough. Arabs said I wasn't an Arab. Americans said I wasn't American. I used to be like, I don't belong anywhere. Now I'm like, you're all mine. All my countries, you're all mine. <laughs> It's true, you are all mine. Nubanutu is um, a Nubian song, a traditional Nubian song. I like to think of it as the unofficial Nubian anthem. And actually when the Nubaton started as a project, it started as a conversation between Rami and I about mm -hmm. the songs of return. He was writing his thesis on um, modern Egyptian culture at the time. I won't bring up your thesis again, I promise. So um, for me, this song felt like one of the most anthemic songs. Um, uh, Nubian people kind of experienced a huge a huge modern-day displacement that happened in the late 1960s with the building of the high dam and there's still dams being built today actually mm -hmm. and so as an as an immigrant who is also Nubian I, we were talking about listening to these songs now as an immigrant in another space mm -hmm. and having relating to those songs of return that were mm -hmm. written after the dam was was built and they were songs about a home that you can't go back to mm -hmm. so relating to that now as immigrants in another place, it had a really interesting perspective. So, mm -hmm. to me, I feel like the song is one of the anchors of that of the right. of the band, if right. you will. You want to talk a bit about uh, what it means to be specifically Nubian? Um, well, so Nubia is like this area between North Sudan and South Egypt, and it used to be one area. And then when British colonization happened, um, and then Sudan became a separate country from Egypt, it they kind of put like a line in the middle. So there's like a line that goes through half the town. Mm -hmm. um, so 
Nubian people kind of are grew up between both areas. You know, my family grew up between Egypt and Sudan. My grandmother was born and raised in Egypt and lives there now. Um, but my the rest of my family all lives in Sudan, and so we kind of they they kind of run between the two between Sudan and Egypt very mm. easily. And for me, being Nubian is a part of my being Sudanese. Sudan, there's like 57 major tribes, not mm. counting sub tribes in Sudan. Uh, Ethiopia, 80. Um, Kenya, 48, I think. Mm. Um, Uganda, I don't want I think it was like 20 something. Mm. I can't remember. But you know, so diversity is the norm in Africa. It is the norm. And the modern day borders that were set, in, set up into place don't really fully express what it means to be from that one place. And right. that's, I think, why there's so much identity conflict, identity and resource based conflict happening all over Africa and soon all over the world. Mm -hmm. So um, it's learn. You know, I feel like it's one of those things where it's like you look in the past to learn about your present. That's how you move forward. Mm -hmm. um, so you can't go forward if you don't know about where you're from. Right. So, right. Ubanutsu. <laughs>